What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm so excited that you joined me today because we have an incredible guest. I am so honored to have him here. I met him a while back, and he is just an incredible human, and he is out for our best interest. Today, we have Dr. Dawson Church on the podcast. Dr. Church is an award-winning science writer with three best-selling books. He's conducted many clinical trials and even founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare, where it's latest program has helped over 20,000 veterans with PTSD. His research has been featured in many prestigious scientific journals, and today we get the honor of speaking with him all about the cool stuff he's doing and sharing with the world. Guys, I'm so excited. Let's cue the intro, and then we will jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. My goodness, such an honor. Michael, what a joy. And I know we're going to have a great time and we're going to share lots. We're going to have lots of insights and we're going to have plenty of fun along the way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I want to start with, I mean, you've done some incredible things. You have great books and we're going to tell everybody about them along the way. I want everybody to go pick them up and read them uh, and, and learn from your insight over the years. But I want to go back to the beginning and start. I love being able to get the backstory of my guests and be able to share with everybody how you got to the place where you are, Dr. Dawson. <laughs> well, it began a long time ago, Michael, with a big bang and then gradually <laughs> cooling into stars, planets, evolution. And then back along the evolutionary pathway, there were the dinosaurs, there was the extinction event, there were mammals, and those mammals evolved what you and I have right now in our brains, which is the ability to respond to danger. And so I, like most people, learned that pretty early, how to get out of the way when bad things were happening in my childhood and take advantage of opportunities. And all of us have this, this wiring in our heads. So evolution has given us this ability to very, very quickly detect threats, see what's wrong in the environment. And so this, this wiring, which was so handy to your ancestors, I mean, they would scan the horizon. And if there was a rustle in the bushes, they thought, tiger. <laughs> so that was so valuable to them, and that's why we survive. We have this threat assessment machinery. In one of my books called The Genie in Your Genes, I talk about immediate early genes, the genes that code for cortisol, adrenaline, stress, neurochemicals. They turn on in three seconds. I mean, you have a stimulus of a negative input, a potential threat. Those immediate early genes are turning on in just three seconds. And so that's just fantastic for evolutionary survival, and it's terrible for us today because now there are no tigers, there are no lions, there are no hostile tribes. I mean, I'm in, I'm, you know, I, I live in part of the time in Hawaii, part of the time in, in California. There are no invaders coming across the borders. Right. So, you know, it's just like we, we live these safe, wonderful lives. And so what, is, what does all this machinery in my brain do? Because it's still there. All the, all the neural circuits are still there for fight or flight. What they do is they worry. They 
find things to obsess about that might be wrong in our lives, in our businesses, in our relationships, in our money, and they just relentlessly focus on that. That's called the brain's negativity bias. And it's really fatal to creativity. It's fatal to maintaining a positive, healthy outlook, to positive mood. It's It also takes many, many years of your life. So I, I've been on a long journey of learning as a business owner to deal with the negativity bias, how to release my own stress, and then teaching this to other people. We train thousands of people a year because we find that if people, especially any any form of endeavor, whether they're retired, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they have a regular job, whether they're teachers or firefighters or butchers or bakers, whatever it is they do, they need to live with, with the ability to release stress. And most of us living with a high level of stress, I mean, to learn to reduce that. And again, it's in, in inverse relationship to creativity. Stress kills creativity. And so uh, my whole career has been both with epigenetics, uh, the, the control of the gene genes by factors outside the body, outside the, 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 the confines of our own skin. That's the, the, the control and regulation of genes by things outside the genome. So I, I've done research on epigenetics, done a lot of research using MRIs and EEGs on brain function and how we can reduce stress, which in turn unlocks our creativity and makes us dramatically happier. So that's my big focus. I love this idea that you are you focused on the science behind how all this stuff is working in our head. And you get so many people out there that have been teaching in the personal development space and they don't have science to back it. They know it works because they've tried it, but you've looked at the science. What got you inspired to go in and really look at the science behind how it worked instead of just doing the other side without it? Yeah, you know, I read all these claims. Like I went to a conference once and wandered around the hallway and there were all these products and all these services and they all said, it does this, it does that, does the next thing. I, there's not a single randomized controlled trial in sight. And so I don't want to know just that something works. Anecdotally, I want to know how much it works. And science can quantify things. Like we're measuring your anxiety and depression. We don't want to know that you feel less anxious or less depressed. We want to know by how much. And then we want to see, okay, well, this technique for this group of people, say veterans or people facing surgery or people in the teaching profession or whatever the group might be, this technique re reduces their anxiety and depression this much, but this technique reduces it by that much or more. So you can pick up extra techniques. So yeah, you don't want to just be making claims. You want to have science to back you up. And so what I, what I wanted to do was quantify these changes. I also wanted to provide a scientific background to the new therapies that are coming out. And the new therapies are ones that are somatically body-based. So a lot of the old therapies, I mean, they're fantastically useful and have their place, but they're the talk therapies. And what do you do, for example, if you're working with somebody on a pre-verbal trauma and you can't get to it with talk therapies because it's pre-verbal, which means it happened before that, that part of the brain had developed that handles language. So those talk therapies aren't very useful for that. Talk therapies also aren't all that good at treating traumatic stress. In one study by the VA, they found that 90% of veterans assigned to a talk therapy PTSD program, nine out of 10 dropped out over the course of a year. Wow. So uh, those therapies do not work very effectively with certain kinds of issues. So I wanted to give a scientific background, scientific validation to some of these new therapies, because what they all do is they use 
physiological cues. They use breathing. They use acupressure. They use energy shift. They use all kinds of interesting tools, many of them actually quite ancient tools. But I wanted to, to give these, these therapies a scientific basis. And it turned out when I began to actually research them and quantify their abilities, the um, the numbers were off the charts. Just like you know, one, one study I did, my, my, one of my very first studies, we had groups of people in rooms in a one hour workshop, one, one day workshop, and we were testing their anxiety, depression, and various psychological characteristics. And so most of these were pretty stressed people. They were healthcare workers. They were doctors, nurses, chiropractors, and so on, psychotherapists. And we had them in a room for a day. We were doing these advanced stress reduction techniques with them. And when I got the results back, I was working with the University of Arizona at that time, I got the results back in the University of Psych Psychology Department. In that one day, their anxiety and depression dropped wow. by 45%. Oh, my 45%. gosh. Their cravings for chocolate, cigarettes, alcohol, cake, pasta. You know, we, we measured cravings because a lot of these things are anxiety and depression based. We get depressed, we reach for the chocolate. We get anxious, we reach for a cigarette. So we looked at their, their, their levels of cravings. Their levels of cravings for those things dropped. Again, using these super effective modern therapies, they dropped by 83%. So we found off the chart results. And so the great thing about science is that I don't say just these techniques reduce anxiety and depression. These techniques are effective for weight loss and cravings. We quantify all of those things. And that's a story you can take to a hospital, to the right. Veterans Administration, to the administer, administrator of an employee assistance program. So we began to bring these advanced techniques now to all of those places. That's incredible. And, and just, I think for a lot of the logical thinkers in the world, it helps so much to be able to give them some science and some quantifiable measurement that they can attach to. And for the ones that are maybe a little bit more on the other side of the spectrum, it almost just reinforces it, right? I'm not logical, but see, there's science that backs it up. I love that. I think it's so great. And and it's incredible the work and research you've done and, and such a challenging space to research, but you found a way and I love that. I want to know more about EFT, and uh, I, I did some research and, and looking at the stuff that you've done, some incredible work with emotional freedom techniques. I'd like to learn a little bit more about it and share with our audience what it's all about. Sure. Yeah, and the two main methods I teach are EFT, emotional freedom techniques, and meditation, but a special kind of meditation called eco-meditation, which, again, has been shown in various brain trials and and mood trials to have dramatic effects on both your mood and your brain function. So meditation and EFT. So EFT first. EFT is often called tapping because it brings in methods from cognitive therapy and exposure therapy. Exposure therapy is thinking about the problem. Now, that's harder said than done because most of us, if we have a, uh, a trauma, if we have a big upset in our lives, we're going to try and avoid it. We're going to try and dissociate from it. We don't want to be obsessing about it all the time. So we try and extricate ourselves from that thinking. But research shows that in the healing process, at least for a while, you have to focus on that and think about that. So that's exposure therapy. Cognitive therapy involves many different techniques, one of which is framing. So you have a, a picture of something bad. I remember when I was um, 
on the playground in sixth grade how three bigger boys really beat me up. So that, that, that's the picture. The frame you have around that is enormously important because if you have a frame around it that says the frames, um, just imagine you know, a picture in a frame, and the frame says, I can't trust anybody. That's, that's your framing now if you're going to be down on the playground. Um, other people have the same event, and their frame says, I am resilient. I got through that. I made it through, and I'm now richer and smarter than they are. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, so same event, different frame. In PTSD, we see that roughly, if you look at all the about two and a half million Americans cycled through the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and of those, about one-third developed PTSD, two-thirds did not. Why did the two-thirds not develop right. PTSD? A lot of it is, is, is resilience and different framing. They have the life skills to frame those adverse experiences and make sense of them. So EFT uses framing, uses exposure. It also uses acupressure. And it does that by tapping on acupuncture points. There are there are these meridians that flow through our bodies. They're easily measurable. We can measure them with modern equipment. And we find that if you stimulate the right meridian, the right, I mean, like you, know, you go to an acupuncturist and she'll she'll take your pulse, she'll look at your tongue, she'll look at your usually your, your stance, your gait, your body language, your your degree of muscular relaxation, and then she'll she won't use 25 needles. She'll use probably, you know, seven, eight, nine needles, but she'll put them in the exact right point and ah, feel so good. You feel the, just like the, the zap of the, the energy go through your, your body when she does that. So we use those, those same meridians, but we tap on them rather than needling them. And when we do that, we'll take a veteran. We'll have someone come in. Like I have a little prop here, which I, I, I like to use. I had, a, I had a guy who I was working with at Omega Institute, and he'd been on four tours of duty in oh, Iraq. And this guy had flashbacks, he had nightmares, he had intrusive thoughts, hypervigilance, all the symptoms of PTSD. And so I was at Omega Institute in a nice, safe room with people coming in and out, and just obviously a really um, lovely, lovely environment. And somebody walked in and had a, had a water bottle, and they did this. And this man was ready to dive under the table because to him, the trigger is gunfire in Iraq. So here, his brain is matching that sound with the firefights he was in. Wow. So that's what our brains do. Now, again, that for our ancestors, that is totally adaptive. They wanted to make the mistake of, 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 of it being a water bottle rather than mistaking it for being gunfire when it was something else. I mean, they, our ancestors had to really be aware of, of these things, any kind of stimulus. And so diving under the table, perfect response for my great, 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 great grandfather in 1400. Not a very good response now for me because it's driving my cortisol up. It's making me depressed and anxious. It's making me hypervigilant. So I worked with this, this man tapping. He thought about the firefight, that particular firefight in Iraq. He thought about the, the, the friends he lost in, in Iraq. He thought about the blood and about the the, the dead civilians and about the bomb blasts and about all of these things. But while he's talking, he's tapping like this, is stimulating these acupuncture meridians by tapping using EFT. At the end of that, his emotional triggering around all of this was down to a zero. When I then had somebody actually deliberately do this, crinkle a plastic water bottle, he was totally calm. He was down to a zero. It took one session 
And in many randomized controlled trials, we show that when you release your stress, when you break the association between the trigger, triggering event, triggering sound, sight, smell, and going into fight or flight, when you break that association one time, it stays broken for good. So we follow up these veterans three months, six months, a year later, and they no longer have those symptoms. They're, they're clear for good. So that's what EFT does. It rapidly breaks that association in our brains between this negative stimulus, whether, whether it's a thought or an experience or a memory, and going into fight or flight. That's amazing. And the, the work that you've done with that, just to get the, again, the measurement, the scientific proof is incredible. I feel like I want to take this to a little a place where some of our entrepreneurs can kind of relate to it. In so many instances as an entrepreneur and going through the process of becoming more, uh, you know, it's, it's such a journey for each of us and different for everybody. Inevitably, we all hit these rabbit hole moments where we've just gone so far down the path that it's easy to sometimes think, gosh, you know, I, I feel like I'm meant to be an entrepreneur, but... <laughs> It's not working. It's not working. I'm not making any money. Nobody wants to buy my stuff. Maybe I'm really not any good at this. You know, am I fooling myself? That type of thing. How would EFT then relate to that? How can we talk to our our listeners about how they can make an adjustment in that space? Because maybe some of them can't uh, re relate to maybe having been in a war. Some of us are too far removed from that. But but I know it relates, and I know it's. Uh, directly something that can be uh, adjusted. Yeah, and so if we had to think about a counterpart to stress, that would be elevated emotional states. So dysphoric states, states of feeling bad, are states where you don't feel good. Dys 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 dysphoria is a good word in, in psychology used to describe all of those states. And that is profoundly unhelpful to you if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in any kind of work, if you're miserable or depressed. In fact, even people in jobs, Gallup did a survey recently, and they found that over 60% of U.S. workers are not engaged, either not engaged with their work or actively disengaged with their work. Only about 15% of them were really positively engaged with their work, actually liked what they were doing and into it. And so if you're an entrepreneur and you have employees, those are your employees, how engaged are they? How engaged are you? And so there is this euphoria, feeling really good, this dysphoria, and what's the balance in your life? And if you have high cortisol, it inhibits creativity. It also inhibits health. It inhibits a sense of well-being. And so you have to take care of one thing first and foremost, and that is your consciousness. If you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in your product, don't believe in the work you're doing, if you have doubts, if you have fears and they're overcoming you, then you have to learn to take care of that. And that's all under that general label of stress. And so that's why we teach EFT tapping. In fact, what we do with EFT tapping is we, we, get, we go a stage further. Like if you go on our website and work with a, a certified practitioner, they may well have you not just talk about the bad stuff in your life. Now, for one thing, we don't do any positive psychology. It's, it's just a puzzling thing. We aren't going to try and pump you up and make you feel optimistic and remind you this too shall pass. We're going to encourage you to get deep into your trauma. And what we find really paradoxically is that when you go there and actually deal with your trauma, exposure, cognitive framing, and tapping, it just goes away. And so people have all of these negative beliefs about themselves, the self-doubt, this fear, this worry, 
and we have you just take a deep dive right into the pool. And so we aren't going to try and cheer you up. And people are often pretty, <laughs> pretty surprised during a session because they're saying, now keep on talking, but tap. And the amazing thing that happens, I did this with somebody just this last weekend in a, a live workshop. And we had about 50 people in the live workshop. Some of them were really getting in touch with trauma, but they were tapping. And they were going into those, those places. So I had them go in even deeper and really face their fears. And not only just say the worst thing that came into their, into their minds, but the worst version of the worst thing. Now they're really deep into that that feeling, into that that reservoir of trauma that most of us are have down there in our psyche. And so we're going to have you really explore that, but you're tapping and you're releasing all the time. In fact, sometimes you're releasing so much, you're going to find yourself sweating and yawning and moving around a lot. I mean, there's a lot of energy trapped over there in those wounded feelings. And when you start to tap and release them, like one guy I worked with, he just began to shake all over. He just began to physically shake, sweat, and really just emanate heat as he released all the energy. But he did it for half an hour, and then he was dramatically more optimistic. What you'll also find that's very weird and strange and different in an EFE session compared to psychotherapy, so your, your, your practitioner is going to lead you down into your trauma and may even accentuate it to the very, very worst version of those feelings. But what you'll find is that once you really dealt with them, you really release them and release all the energy trapped in there with EFT, that naturally you're going to bounce back upward into those good feeling states. So we don't guide you there when you're doing an EFT session. We wait for you to go there. And I watched people uh, in this just this last workshop. We teach a lot of workshops at the EFT Universe, my company. But uh, I watched I watched one particular person, and they were they were crying, they were flooded, they were traumatized, they were deep in their process, but they kept tapping and kept moving through it. And then there was a smile, and she said, "You know, I just realized all of this adversity has made me stronger." And then she smiled, then her coach smiled, then she laughed, then her coach laughed. And then by the end of it, she was saying, this is such a tiny problem, I can easily take care of it. So she became positive and the solution emerged from within the client's own brain, own neural network. Those are far more powerful, those solutions that emerge organically from your imagination than the ones outside of yourself. So you need to take care of your consciousness. You need to release your trauma. And what, what happens when you do that is all the things holding you back, all these factors that have been just squashing your joy and your creativity, when they're released, that creativity just pours out. You have ideas, you have concepts, you have insights, and you find these amazing solutions to problems. So take care of your consciousness, take care of your awareness, release your trauma, and then you'll find that you start to have an explosion of creativity and inspiration. That just becomes not just what you feel, it becomes who you are. That's amazing. And you earlier you said that there's EFT and then the meditation side. Can we dig in a little bit more on what what your thoughts are about meditation? I mean, we've all heard so many different methods and ideas about what meditation is and how you should do it. And, and I'd like to learn more about what it is that, that you're talking about. Yeah, so I, I had trouble with meditation. I learned meditation when I was 15 years old. I had run away from home. I joined a spiritual community, and I, I was very disillusioned with my life. I was suicidal as a teenager. 
Um, I was I grew up in a, a very strict religious household, and I could see all the 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 weird hypocrisy and dysfunctionality in the church. And so I escaped and went to live on a spiritual community. We got into the into the perennial philosophy, and um, it was just an amazing time in the human potential movement in the '60s with Aldous Huxley and and Alan Watts and Margaret Mead and Gregory Bateson, all, Gene Houston, all of these amazing teachers were there at Ram Dass all helping us understand all the, the, this, the, these, these great principles that underlie all of human development. And so um, when I was there, when I was in that spiritual community, I learned meditation, but didn't have the same kind of experience that I, I'd wanted. So I wanted to be in those elevated states. I closed my eyes and very often I just go right back to my trauma. So many of us close our eyes. We don't feel anything, don't see anything. There's nothing that moves us to a higher state. And so we try and we fail. And most people have taken a meditation course, read a book, and they have tried it and many are unsuccessful. So what I did in like between 1995 and 2005, I was really looking at all these advanced techniques like heart math, like neurofeedback, biofeedback, the new science that was coming out of various labs in universities showing things like self-hypnosis really worked. And I came up with the idea of stacking all of those together. So I developed a method called eco-meditation, and it stacks tapping and heart math and self-hypnosis and neurofeedback and mindfulness all on top of each other in a routine. And they're all also physiological shifts. None of them require you to still your mind or to go anywhere mentally or believe anything or have any kind of spiritual path. And we found as I began to do it with groups of people that people had these profound experiences. And like I did with one, one conference in 2009, uh, the whole group conference room and people came up afterwards and said, Dawson, I just had my first deep, profound experience in meditation of my life, the first time I've ever got to where I wanted to be. So we found people began to have these experiences and then we began to study it around 2015. And now there are a lot of clinical trials of eco meditation and they show that it very reliably brings people into these elevated states. And it shows that if they keep on doing it, which most do because it's really pleasurable, it unlocks the production of serotonin. So you have a rise in serotonin in your brain. It unlocks the production of dopamine. So you have a rise in dopamine. And those are two highly pleasurable brain drugs. Like dopamine has the same, dopamine is, is, is your main pleasure neurotransmitter. It has the same kind of effect on parts of the brain that heroin, cocaine, fentanyl have. So here we're doing these exercises which raise dopamine. They raise dopamine by up to 65%. I mean, that's like a pretty good drug. So now we're, we're, we're high on this inner fentanyl we're producing inside our heads by just med meditating in a certain way. We trigger serotonin. Serotonin and psilocybin have the same chemical structure and fit together in the same neuroreceptors in the brain. So now we've just given people this 65% rise in dopamine. They're feeling great because of that. Now we introduce serotonin, your body's endogenous psilocybin, then we do things that trigger the same neurochemicals as ayahuasca. And after a while, people are just feeling fantastic doing this meditation. So they do it over and over and over again, and we get them addicted to it. So I, one lady walked up to me at a workshop and said, Dawson, 
I made a promise myself off. I did it the first time. Had a great experience. She said, I'm going to do this every single day for the next 30 days without a fail. I will do it for the next 30 days because she was just feeling so high with all these great brain drugs in her system the very first time. So I said, that's great. You made that commitment to 30 days. And what day are you on right now? She said, oh, I'm on day 147. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that addictive. You just don't want to, I mean, you're getting this flood of the seven most pleasurable neurotransmitters and hormones known to science. And so in my book, Bliss Brain, I talk about the bliss, the ecstasy people feel when we, when we, when, when we read Rumi or read St. Francis or St. Teresa, they're in these, Carlos Castaneda, I mean, they're in these incredible states, just like drug-induced highs, because they are. I mean, literally, they have all this neurochemistry in their brain. So we now understand the neurochemistry of this brain, which is why I wrote the book, to explain all of this stuff and how to bring yourself there. So the second thing you do after you heal trauma, clear trauma with EFT, spend a few months doing that, do it yourself, hire a practitioner, do an online course, just clear trauma, and then start to move yourself to elevated states. Like in the last few months, I've had some challenges in my business, uh, unusual ones. And a few times I felt myself being dragged down. So I use those techniques. I tap. I then go into those elevated states. And within a few minutes, I've corrected it. I'm back on track. I'm feeling optimistic again. And I go and find creative solutions to my business challenges. So you need, you need both things, both trauma clearing and then meditation to move you into those elevated states. My goodness, this is incredible. And I think for all of our listeners, especially our entrepreneurs, business owners out there, guys, you need this. We have such a challenging journey as entrepreneurs and we have such an obligation to change the world with our thing. Each of you are doing something that's incredible. Each of you are doing something that is changing the world first with your world and then the world surrounding and then the world outside of that. So you have to prepare yourself. You have to get yourself ready to handle the ups and the downs of all of that. And in doing so, I think this is going to be great for you. I hope you guys are interested in learning more. So tell us how we can all find more about everything we've talked about. How can we dig in more? How can we get involved and learn and get this as part of what we do? Michael, first of all comes making a commitment to yourself and your own well-being and your own consciousness. And I said that your consciousness is the most important thing in your business. If you lose your high consciousness, if you aren't having fun anymore, if you lose your creativity, then what do you have? What I mean, like my whole business, if I don't have a good energy, a good spirit, a good approach, optimism, creativity, and I go into a team meeting, what am I bringing to it? I'm bringing something less than. So I want to bring that to every single team meeting. Our team meetings at EFT Universe are so fun. They're so creative. <laughs> People dream up new solutions and have inspired ideas. We laugh a lot. We share a lot. It's just wonderful to be part of this highly creative team. I've also been doing some re recent research on team flow. How do you get a whole team into flow. So we do some group team flow exercises at the beginning of each meeting. We do things that we do some tapping, we do some meditative exercises. It only takes a few minutes to do that, but then you, you frame the meeting in a really positive way. And so I recommend that you do this and you do it and you start to share this with people around you. So for the, the best entry point to my work is to go to the website, Dawson, my name, D-A-W, 
S-O-N, Dawson Gift, G-I-F-T, DawsonGift.com, because the EFT mini manual is a free download there. So download the mini manual and just try tapping yourself. It takes five minutes to figure it out. Sit down with the problem you have, think of the problem, use the diagram in the mini manual, tap on each of the points, measure your degree of emotional triggering before and after, and it's almost certainly going to go down. The very first time I used EFT, I had, a, I had a hotel I owned that I was selling. It was fully out of escrow, and I was getting so nervous because it had fallen out of escrow two times before, and I had to sell this, this, this building. And I just did what I'm recommending you do right now. I grabbed that tapping diagram, did the tapping. Immediately, in two minutes, my anxiety dropped by about half. So I realized there was something there. So you want to use tapping, and that manual is at DawsonGift.com. There's also a, a version of eco-meditation there that is focused on immunity. Because we found, as we've done clinical trials of people's immune system, that their immune markers rise, their cortisol drops, and their immunity goes up. And there's a special immune meditation there at DawsonGift.com. Work with a practitioner. Download one of our books. We have tons of books. We have online courses. Uh, work with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. We have a, an app called Stress Solution where you can work live with a practitioner doing video conferencing whenever you're stressed. So we want to make um, these available to, to, to employees. We want to make them available to businesses. I mean, imagine if your employees, every time they were stressed, could just log on, do a one-on-one -on -one session with a trained stress reduction expert and they can at the stress solution app so there are all these these things available to us they weren't there a generation ago we have them now and we can build better businesses we can build better lives we can build businesses that are in alignment with our life mission how aligned is what you're doing out here with who you are in here and if the answer is anything less than 100 percent it's time to take a look at that percentage that's not. So is it fear holding you back? Is it stress holding you back? Deal with those things and bring the best you possible to your outer work, bring that creativity there, and then you're sharing the inspiration and wisdom and joy you have inside with people all around you, and your business becomes irresistible. I love that. That is great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and giving us an opportunity to go and check that out. Guys, all of you listening out there, please uh, take Dr. Dawson up on this offer. Go check it out. Go get these tools in your life. They aren't going to hurt you for sure, but they're obviously going to help and they're going to make a difference in the direction you're going. So Dr. Dawson, Thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you as a guest, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. What a joy. And I'm so grateful to you for making all these tools available to people who can make good use of them. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next episode of the Business Choreography Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.